0: Today, here, we're, we're in the, the Gospel of John, and we've been in this series, we're elevating Jesus throughout this series, and uh, so today, I want to remind you that the Gospel of John, 90% of what's in it is not in the other Gospels, it's unique, it ha- he has a unique voice, it has a structure to it, in fact, John, he has um, seven signs. And he has seven, he has seven uh, I am statements of Jesus. Seven signs, seven miracles, and seven I am statements. And John tells us, actually, he, he comes out and tells us, I came to know Jesus through the signs that he did. In fact, he apparently included the seven signs that meant the most to him. So let's listen. Let's go to the last two sentences of the book of John because he tells us the purpose for writing this. He says this in John 20. Jesus performed many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not recorded in this book. But these are written that you may believe Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. John writes the whole thing in hopes that the reader comes to have faith that Jesus is the Savior. Jesus is the Messiah, and the seven signs that he, he elevates in his book and the seven I am statements give us a unique look about what it means for Jesus to be, to be God, to be Messiah. And so today, we're looking at the first of the I am statements of Jesus. Now... Each of these statements, John is giving us like a fresh angle. It's like a diamond with a different facet of who Jesus is is and and what his divine purpose is. And and in our our Western mind, we love titles. We like um, letters before a name or after a name. Give me a title. But in the Eastern teaching, when they taught, they often use symbols and metaphors, stories and parables, word pictures. And today, Jesus is going to make a claim about himself. That gives us beautiful insight into who He is, who He is as the Messiah. So in John 6, in one short sermon, Jesus claims to be the bread of life three times. In one short sermon, three claims to be the bread of life. And actually, the whole sermon is pretty carb-heavy. He mentions bread 12 times. Bread and 12 seem to go together a lot. He covered some of the, the, we covered some of this in a passage two weeks ago. When we talked about disappointment with God. But we're going to focus in on a few things and, and draw them out. Jesus is surrounded by a crowd. And, and many of them are the crowd that was with him. The, oh, remember the 20,000 that he fed with bread on the, there on that hill? Well, Jesus has traveled back to Capernaum, and this crowd followed him back. They liked what they saw. They liked what they eat. And here they say in verse 30... What sign then will you give give that we may see and believe in you? Like what miracle will you do so that we can know it's you? What will you do, Jesus? Our ancestors ate manna in the wilderness. As it is written, he gave them bread from heaven. They're literally saying, do something so we can believe in you. And Jesus, it is lunchtime. And we're quoting the Old Testament. Our, Our ancestors did get bread from heaven. I mean, if you want to start with miracles, lunch wouldn't be a bad place to start. I mean, you've done it before. That would be a nice sign. And Jesus says, very truly I tell you, it is not Moses who has given you the bread from heaven. It's my Father who gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is the bread that comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Have you ever been to a restaurant with a secret menu? Yeah? You know, In-N-Out Burger has a not-so-secret menu? We love a good secret menu to order from. I did some research and there's some secret menus around us that you guys didn't know about. Um, Chick-fil-A chicken quesadilla. Anybody had that? How about this? The Burger King Quad Stack Burger. Four patties and a trip to the ER. But, but it gets better. <laughs> No, no, Arby's, Arby's said, hold my soft drink. They have something called the Meat Mountain at Arby's. It's over $10, and it's topped with every kind of meat they have in the back. Like, if we got it, just put it on there, right? Not to be outdone is my favorite one. You can get it right on the, down there in Glenwood. The KFC Triple Down. It's a sandwich. It has no bread. They use fried chicken as the bread. And it's called the triple down because there's three pieces of chicken. And in between, they have smashed gobs of cheese and bacon. So three chicken patties with bacon and cheese. And and why are some of you taking more notes right now than you take in any other sermon? (laughs) We like a secret menu. It kind of feels good to order off, you know, uh, get something special that other people don't know about. And this crowd of people gathered here in Capernaum around Jesus, I think they might have thought they were onto something. They want bread. Hey, we got manna. Our ancestors did. You fed us bread just a couple days ago. What about bread? And Jesus says, there's a bread that's come from heaven that gives life to the world. I can see them looking around at each other, eyebrows up. Ooh, I haven't heard of this, life to the world. Sir, they say in verse 34, always give us this bread. Like we like that, we like that. Always give us this. I can see them thinking, I really like where this is headed. I asked for some bread. We would like a meal, maybe just some manna. And he's going to give us some bread that gives life to the world. Some secret menu, special sauce, something. And Jesus declares, he declares in 35 as they ask for more, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry, and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. And then again in verse 48, I am the bread of life. Your ancestors ate manna in the wilderness, yet they died. But here is the bread that comes down from heaven, which anyone may eat and not die. Verse 51, I am the living bread that came down from heaven. Whoever eats this bread will live forever. This bread is my flesh, which I will give for the life of the world. This is, this is quite a sermon. Again, we talked about parts of this. We have, a, we have people, have, they have a question, a plea for bread. And then in, in this sermon, there's kind of a debate about bread. And there's a claim about being the bread of life. And it ends with an invitation to come eat the body and drink the blood of Jesus. And that's how the sermon goes. And remember, after this sermon, Jesus grows his following from tens of thousands to dozens. Because of this sermon, the bread of life didn't go over too well. Or did it? You see, we have these declarations that Jesus gives. In verse 35, I am the bread of life. In 48, I am the bread of life. In 51, I am the living bread. Now there's some, there's some very interesting uh, language things going on, tidbits in these declarations. The first is how Jesus declares that I am. The famous and, and classic pr- preacher R.C. Sproul, he, he, has, he long ago pointed out this, that this sermon, there's a Greek word, that they usually use for I am, that is ego. That's where we get the word ego, like I am, ego. But there's another Greek word that can be translated into the English I am, and it's emi. And now when Jesus makes this statement, I am the bread of life, he doesn't say ego, the bread of life, and he doesn't say emi, the bread of life, both both which would have worked. What he does is he takes both ego and emi, and he uses them together. Ego, emi, the bread of life. Putting them both together, literally saying, I am, I am, the bread of life. Now, now, what I want to do is pause button right here and, where Jesus claims to be the bread of life and go 2,000 years, around 2,000 years in the past. Moses is standing on holy ground with no shoes. He's in front of a burning bush. And God is speaking to him. And God is telling Moses to go to Pharaoh and demand, let my people go. You've seen the movie, right? Yes, this is a bit much for Moses. He's trying to wrap his head around this. He's trying to wrap his head about what it means to, to go to the most powerful man on the planet and tell him to let his workforce go. So Moses says, well, God, suppose I go to the Israelites and say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me. And they say, what is his name? Well, what do I tell them? I can't tell them a bush sent me. Like, I, what, what, do I, what do I tell them? In the next verse, God says something that theologians have been delving into S- since it was written. God said to Moses, I am who I am. This is what you're to say to the Israelites. I am has sent you. I am who I am. Now when you translate the Hebrew text of the Old Testament, and they did it into the, um, to the New Testament Greek Septuagint, or the Old Testament Greek Septuagint. Do you know how they write that? I am that I am? They say, "ego imi," The double I am that Jesus spoke thousands of years later, There. Is the bread of life. Yahweh's I am statement and Jesus' bread of life sta- I am statement have a thin thread that goes through history connecting them. Jesus says, I am the bread of life. But there's more to this phrase hidden in the English language. You see, we only have one word for life. It's life. I know, groundbreaking stuff here I'm giving you. Um, but in the Greek language, they had multiple words for life. Here's two. Bios and Zoe. Bios is where we get the word biology. And if Jesus had said, if he had used the word bios here, he would have said, I am the bread of bios. And it would have meant I I am the bread that you can eat and it goes in your tummy and and it fuels your body. It gives you energy. It keeps you biologically alive. But Jesus doesn't use the word bios. He used the word zoe here. I am the bread of zoe. And zoe is this dynamic vitality of life. Uh, It's it's actually the, the quality of your life. It's a fullness of of your soul made alive with Christ Jesus. And and actually, zoe is the word Jesus uses in John 10.10 when he says, I have come that you may have life and life to the full measure. Life abundantly. Zoe life. Jesus is the bread of life who doesn't want to come and fill your stomach. He wants to come and fill your soul. The people come to him asking him for a meal. Give us the bread of bios. Give me something to eat today, right now. But Jesus offers the bread of Zoe who comes and fills you with purpose and power and joy and peace and and resources you with his Holy Spirit to bear fruit, to have a life to the full measure. They came for a meal. And Jesus began to offer something far more marvelous. He offers them bread that will transform their life on earth. And he tells them it will fill them to such a measure that it will give them eternal life, a bread that doesn't spoil, that doesn't grow moldy, a bread that doesn't get crusty, a bread that remains fresh, that remains powerful and spirit-filling. Remember that. The people approaching Jesus, they asked for bread. And, And they talked about manna. Catch this, 31. Our ancestors, they ate manna in the wilderness, and it says that he gave it to them. He gave them bread from heaven to eat. Now, you remember manna, right? Maybe you do, maybe you don't, but manna, Moses did go before Pharaoh. Moses did go and say, Let my people go. And after some pandemics, Pharaoh relented. And then Moses leads the children of Israel out of Egypt through the wilderness to the promised land. Now, this is a journey that should have taken three weeks. Three weeks of walking it should have taken them to go from Egypt to the promised land. But because of the people's character, because of their view of God and their view of themselves, this journey takes 40 years. A three-week journey turned into a 40-year trek. And the reason is simple. You know, God didn't just want to remove the people from Egypt. He wanted to remove the Egypt from the people. He was interested in their character, not just their location. And I believe that's still true today. On this journey in the wilderness, somebody had to prepare food. They'd have enough food for the millions of people on this journey. Enough grain and animals. And how would, they, how would they have fine food to sustain such a group? And so God sent manna from heaven. It was a bread-like substance. And it would be on the ground every single day except for Sunday. Or the Sabbath, actually. Every single day. And it would be there like dew. And they, would, they gave them specific instructions. Just get enough for today. Like, just enough for today. If you get extra during, you know, if you get extra, it's going to spoil. Manna was daily bread. Heavenly bread that came down, that sustained those people's bios in the present. And this crowd in John 6 wants something similar. They wanted manna. They wanted God to do what he had done. And Jesus said to them, very truly I tell you, it's not Moses that gave you bread from heaven. It's my father. Remember, the bread of heaven that comes down gives life to the world. Jesus uses the word come down or came down five times in this short section. He's continually referring to a bread that is come down from heaven. I am the living bread that came down from heaven, John six fifty one. You see, Jesus isn't saying, listen, you're asking for manna. I- I'm, not, I'm not the manna that came down. I am the Lord of the manna. I am the bread of life. Who comes down from heaven. But there's an interesting connection between the bread of life and manna. Early in these verses, Jesus says, whoever comes to me will never go hungry. If you bring your appetites to Jesus, you will always be filled. You bring your appetites of love and security and significance, meaning to Jesus, and he won't leave you hungry. But as we continue through John 6, he continues to talk about eating the bread of life. Feeding on the bread of life. And, and the verb is a present tense verb. Jesus is saying those who eat the bread of life have eternal life and remain in me and I in him. That's what he says. But this eating that's mentioned here is active and present in the moment. It means to be feeding on the bread of life. It doesn't mean if you at one point ate the bread of life, he's inviting them to come and eat, to be eating, to be feeding on the bread of life. For the nourishment of our life, for our zoe, that word, remember, vitality, dynamic life, life to the full measure. It comes from feeding in the present. It's a present thing, not a one-time decision you made in the past. Which means if you walk down the aisle as a kid and said a prayer to receive Jesus, yes, based on what God says, you are saved for eternity, brought to spiritual life. But... When it comes to have a life to the full, to experience Zoe life on earth, we can't depend on that decision back then for today. I'm not saying you're not saved. I'm saying that you weren't just saved from hell to go to heaven. It's not fire insurance. You're not just saved from something, you are saved for something. You're saved not only for eternal life, but Zoe life today and now. You are saved to continue to go to Jesus, the bread of life, and feed daily to be grown, matured, to bear to bear good fruit in your life. The bread of life is a daily invitation. There's a present tense verb of feeding on the bread of life for our soul's vitality, for zoe, for nourishment, for growth of character, and for the breakthrough you've been hoping for. And this is something the leadership team, we have been looking at. As things are opening up, you know, we, we have growth groups, and growth groups are our primary ministry, and we are, we're going to continue to open up some Bible studies. We have some, but we need more Bible studies to offer places where we can gather and feed together on the bread of life, and more than that, If I could wave a wand and have something happen, it would be this. That we as individuals would daily be feeding on God's word and prayer. That we would be daily be interacting with the bread of life. Individually. Not, at a, not just at a group, not just on Sundays. But that, that, that that's what we would do when we pray. We don't just say our prayers. We pray, we listen, we converse, we have a relationship. And that when we read his word in our own life, we adjust our life to it. I would love it if you and I would step into a lifestyle that that gives us Zoe life. Life to the full. And we are feeding daily, presently on the bread of life. For some of us, we have to admit, it's been a while. If we're honest, we took a bite of the bread decades ago. We said a prayer years ago. And it could be that since the, that moment, you haven't been feeding on the bread of life. And I'm just, I'm just guessing, but, but if that's the case, oftentimes there isn't much growth. Oftentimes worship is, is passionless. Oftentimes there's an indifference to holiness and a justification for sin. And, not, and, and more than anything, just not experiencing the Zoe life to the full abundance that Jesus talks about. Like where is that life? And if any of this is true of you, perhaps the greatest thing you could, could choose today is, is again be, choose to presently begin pursuing and partaking of the bread of life. Daily, in the present. That you would be feeding on it in your prayers. It, it start reading in the Bible. Join a Bible study. Join join a growth group. Whatever it would be. Uh, we get the same results when we continue the same patterns But but perhaps as our our nation opens up, perhaps we open our lives up to new things. And to presently, daily pursue Jesus, the bread of life. I, I say this over and over. Remember, your moment of salvation wasn't the finish line for you spiritually. Your moment of salvation was the starting line for the life that Jesus wants to give you. Timothy Keller has something amazing that he talks about right here, he, 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 about the bread of life. He writes that the bread of life is the only bread that breaks for you. Like, like Jesus came down the bread of life, he was broken for you. And when we take communion here in a minute, we're going to break the bread to symbolize his broken body. The bread of life came down from heaven, was broken for us. This is a sacrifice for our sins. And, and Keller goes on to say, if bread is not broken, it cannot be consumed. If bread is not broken, it cannot be dis- consumed. You can't digest it. You, you can't have unbroken bread fuel your body, your bios. If you have bread, you often break it. You use a knife. You use your teeth. Whatever it would be. But... but you break it and consume it, and then you digest it, and then it fuels you. The Word of God is like this. We don't just read the word, check a box, and move on. What if we read the Bible and didn't consume it? it didn't, would it be nourishing? We break it down, we consume it, We our spirit digests it it, it, it fuels us. I'm in a reading plan with some friends of mine, and every day we're in our, our Bible app reading the same thing, and there are days, I am because of the speed of life, where I just want to check the box. I'll admit it, I just want to check the box. And, and so the challenge for me is, and perhaps for you, if you read your chapter tomorrow, you pause, and you break it down And maybe you, you have one verse that stands out and you write that verse down and then, and then you take that verse with you through the day. You, you put it somewhere you'll see that sticky note. You mull it over in your heart. You meditate it on your mind. You digest it in your spirit throughout the day. And guess what? Your spirit consumes that truth. It fuels you in a different way than just checking a box. And Jesus makes this distinction between feeding the bios and feeding the zoe. In the final summary sentence of the sermon, your ancestors ate manna and died, but whoever feeds on the bread will live forever. This is important key. There are places where we take our appetites in life that lead to death. But there is a place to take your appetite that leads to life. And I'm not talking about your stomach appetite. I'm not talking about your hunger in your stomach. I'm talking about your hunger for security, significance, purpose, peace, and meaning. That the bread of life is what provides eternal life someday. But here in the present, the bread of life wants to nourish you today. As we consume the bread of life in our lives... Something happens as we, as we pursue God, as we pursue Jesus in his word and in prayer and partake of, of, of the, the bread of life, that identity that we're taking to other places and other people, other hobbies and things we're good at, that, that hobby gets rooted in the, in the bread of life. It gets rooted into the identity that God, who he says we are. And that significance that we want so bad, it becomes rooted in a, in a worth that he declared about us that the world will never never, never touch. We settle into the beautiful knowledge that we are unconditionally loved, that we're forgiven. And then because of the beauty of that, we begin to love others differently. And our purpose, it's clarified because we are living on mission. If you're here today, and you have appetites that are destroying you because you're taking them to places in the world or to, to places of sin. Those appetites are being misapplied. And they will not lead you to life. Appetites of lust and pleasure and riches riches, significance. Any place we take our appetites in the world, it leads to spiritual death. It does not lead to life. Which is why Jesus said in 35... I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will not go hungry. Whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. There's a place to take your appetites that is healthy and restorative to your soul, to your relationships, to your character. There's a place to take those hungers that you battle within you that is appropriate and honoring to others and honoring to your spouse and your loved ones. It's, it's Jesus, the bread of life. And for those stuck, for those of us here today who you would say, I'm stuck in some appetites that I have I have misappropriated in some places, and they have consumed me. Well, your prayer at the end today is for freedom. We have, we have counseling here free to help you. And not only that, but, but after service in our, in our back corner, there will be people back there to pray with you. And for those of you joining us online, you can email us, prayer at theorchardlife.com. We want to pray with you, pray over you for your freedom to begin the journey to these things. Well, there's one more thing that I, um, I wasn't sure I was going to put in. But I, I, I love it so much, I'm going to, if that's okay with you. I, just, I, I love the Old Testament and New Testament connection. There's another bread. It's not mentioned in John 6. It's mentioned in the Old Testament. It was sacred. It had a specific purpose. It's not manna, we're talking about it. It wasn't for the general public. In fact, the general public didn't even really get to see this bread. It was so sacred. It was important. It was unique. It had had a special place. It had a a special purpose. It It had a special recipe given from God. And it is actual bread. It's often called showbread. It's inside the holy temple of God in the Old Testament. In Leviticus 22, we're given a bunch of instructions on like how to make this bread, how to prepare it, how it's to be stacked inside the temple on this specific table and this specific place within the holy temple of God. And again, there should be only 12 loaves of this bread. And, and Leviticus tells us that only the priests could eat from it. Only the priests would go in. And partake of this special bread. It was, it was placed there. And in fact, there's these writings in the Talmud and the Mishnah. These, these writings about some of this where the priests have claimed that even though they leave the bread in there for a week, they're in the holy place, it's still warm when they go to get it to take it out and replace it. It's still fresh. It doesn't g- grow crusty. And then they would eat it in the holy place. Exodus 25.30 says... It was revert, here's how God, God himself refers to it. Put the bread of presence on this table and, and be before me at all times. Put the bread of presence to be before me at all times. The Hebrew word here for bread is lechem, and the, the Hebrew word for that clarifies the second word is panim. And panim is where they get presence. But panim has, a, has another translation that directly translates to, and that's face. Leading some... Commentators to refer to this in places as the bread of the faith. There's even translations that call it the bread of faith, and it's been interpreted by sages to mean that this is the bread through which God will reveal Himself to His people. It's just interesting to me that there, there in the Old Testament, is this bread. That some say that God would reveal Himself to His people, and the amazing thing is, in, the, in this Old Testament, that for centuries, generations, priests came and went, and they would prepare the bread, and they would bring the bread in every week—a new, a new, a new, new bread. They would put the bread in, stack it specifically, eat the old bread. They did this for generations without fully understanding the revelation of what the showbread may be—the bread of face, the bread of presence—that someday, yes, God would show his face through bread, the bread of life. That someday the actual bread of face would walk around with a face, the face of Jesus. That someday the true bread of presence would be fully present in the world as Jesus Christ, the bread of life. You see, the bread of face, the bread of presence was foreshadowing to to what was to come. And while the bread of presence was a sacred item reserved for just the priesthood, just those few, the bread of life has been available, made available to all people. Jesus says this himself in John, 60, John 6, verse 50. But here is the bread that comes down from heaven, which anyone may eat. The bread of the presence bread of the face, there in the holy temple of God. And the bread of life, there in the, in the holy one of God. The foreshadowing of who, what was to come. Jesus, the bread of life, which was raised up and broken on the cross. And then buried and then risen again. So that you and I can have eternal life someday. And life to the full today. The fact is... Bread is only nourishing if you consume it. It's just basic bottom line for bios and zoe. And so are you feeding on the the bread of life in in your life? Or are you taking your appetites out to the world and misapplying them to get your significance and security and your love and your pleasure? The bread of life has been offered to all people. And if you come to Jesus, you will be filled. And, it's, and, and some of you here today who are gathered, you have never had the moment where you have chosen to partake of the bread of life for salvation. You've never said, I, Jesus, I believe in you for salvation. And I can't get past this without giving somebody an opportunity to pray and say, that's me. I, I have not been saved. I have not partaken of the bread of life. But today I want to. And if that's you... Today I want you to to pray with your mouth. Speak after me. Believe in your heart and pray this. Say, Jesus, I need you. I know you died and rose again. You are the bread of life. And I receive you for eternal life. Forgive my sins. My heart is yours. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. If you prayed that for the first time today, whether here in the building or online, I would love if you would email me, daniel at theorchardlife.com. I want to hear from you. I'd like to know more about you. Help you on this journey. But for some of us here today, some of us, we've, 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 we've prayed salvation. But the question is, where are you taking your appetites now? Where are you applying your hunger And so our prayer today as we go into communion is that we would, the places in life in the world for our significance and security, we've been placing our hunger, that we would place that correctly, appropriately to the bread of life who wants to give you life and life to the full. And the disclaimer that always comes up in church when you, as you're sitting there is the shame of what you've done or, or, or the shame of what you're doing. And Jesus assures you, you're forgiven in Jesus Christ. And so today you can start to come to the bread of life, to be filled with zoe, life to the full. So if you're in here today and would like to take communion with me, we have the cup. If you would like a cup and you do not have one, would you please raise your hand? We will get some to you. We have some upstairs. Do we have any any upstairs? We have some right behind you, Lori. You can go ahead and take out the cracker for those of us who already have it. Bread, what a symbol. Over and over and over in the Bible. From the Old Testament to Jesus' claim, I am the bread of life. To then when he stood before the disciples and says, this is my body broken for you. And then they saw his body risen up and broken. So break that, break that bread. As Jesus' body was broken, Jesus, we thank you so much that you are the bread of life and you were raised up and broken for us. Jesus, we ask that you would make us hungry for you, that our appetites would be for you. Holy Spirit, do your work. Jesus, thank you for your body. Take and eat. A symbol of Jesus' blood was shed for us, for the forgiveness of sins and the healing. So we say together, Jesus, forgive us for our sins. Forgive us for misapplying our appetites. Thank you for your sacrifice. Take and drink. But as we go into worship, we're learning more about worship, remember. It is not about singing a song. That is not what we're about in this, when, we, when we do worship. It is about your heart declaring that God is good. God is God. God is holy. It is declaring honor upon Him. So whether you use your, your mouth and your, your voice at all, worship is about your heart declaring something. So as we stand together and sing this song, may your heart sing that God is more than enough for everything you would need. Amen? Let's sing.